Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everybody who's right here in the Worship Center on the Modesto campus. Glad to be with you in the room. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now online through our online campus. We're excited to be in the room with you, whatever room you're in. If it's your brand first time here, brand new, first time at Big Valley Grace, I want you to know it was ours also at one point. Every person here had a first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, and we hope that today is an incredible encouragement to you that you are strengthened and built up by being with the family of God who has come together to worship God, use our gifts, bring gifts, remember the Lord in communion, fellowship with one another, serve, and get into God's word, which is exactly what we're gonna do right now. We're in a series going through the gospel of Mark. And if you wanna take your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter eight. We're gonna be looking at the end of the chapter. If you need a Bible... You don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible. We wanna solve that problem today. We can do that in two ways. Here on the Modesto campus, right here there's a room, it says the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in after the gathering. If you need prayer, please come to the altar room. But in that room we also have Bibles. They're nice Bibles, they're good Bibles, they're free Bibles. The church family here has purchased those Bibles so that you might be able to own a Bible for yourself. And so come and get one. If you're with us online, just reach out to Pastor Brandon Peterson, our online campus pastor, and our online campus team. We're gonna get you a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. Before we get into our text, I wanna address uh, what has happened in our country here. This is 4th of July weekend, and I wanna take a moment to acknowledge what has really been some very significant events from our country at the Supreme Court level, and especially regarding abortion. And this was from Friday, June 24th, 2022. Supreme Court of the United States, this is the first page of a 213-page document from the syllabus and this is just the first page that I have here, and I wanna to read to you what it says. It says, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. And I want you to know I'm very grateful for this. I'm very thankful for this. And that was not the only thing, but there was also a very significant uh, ruling that had to do whether you can pray in public for a high school football coach to be able to pray after a game. And I'm thankful for that. And one of the things that I continue to really be surprised by is how I can see in our country such violent opposition to Jesus Christ. It's a little mind-blowing to see such violent opposition to Jesus Christ. And then there's moments where we see a glimpse, a little glimmer, and my hope is, is not in, in this glimpse. 
My hope is in Jesus Christ, but I'm thankful to see these glimmer moments where we see in the leadership of our country such great decisions as this one and what we've seen in the last week. So I'm really thankful for that. And so from the leadership of the church, I want you to know it was on my heart that the leadership of our church would show up and speak up regarding this issue. And so we went into the studio this last week and I interviewed five of our pastors, Pastor Rick Countryman, Pastor John Frioli, Pastor Gordon Rumble, Pastor Lonnie Skiles, and Pastor Brandon Peterson. And you can go to YouTube and just put in my name, Joel Boone, into the search and you'll find the channel we've created. And we did this to resource you so that you would know and hear from the leaders of the church on this issue. And we're gonna keep encouraging you and we're gonna keep resourcing you. In fact, we have an updated call to action sheet. We have done this a number of times. And this is available in printed form here on the Modesto campus out in the information center right in the lobby. And you can pick one of these up. If you need it online, just reach out to our team. We'll send this to you online. I wanna take a moment to pray. This is 4th of July weekend, and big stuff is happening in our country. Let's go before the Lord together. Father God, Lord, we need your help. We need your help. And our, this country that was founded on some principles, yeah, we are in desperate need of you. And Lord, I am thankful for these recent decisions at the Supreme Court level. I am grateful for that, but the battle is not over. And Lord, we're seeing our country literally divide a group of states on one side and a group of states on the other. Some are rejoicing in this good news and some are, are violently opposed to this news. And God, would you help us to stand up for truth and to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ and to represent as salt and light and ambassadors for Jesus Christ the life you create. May we be for the life you create, life in the womb, life outside the womb, life young, life old, life in all the ages and stages. And God, would you help us have a boldness and to stand firm in the battle to really stand up against what is, frankly, the killing of the unborn. And God, we need your help. We need your help in a lot more ways than I can even think to ask. And so I'm just asking, God, would you help us? Would you help us as a church that we would be for you, for the life that you create, and for your truth? And so I'm asking for your help, and I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's family said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and the encouragement has been for our church family to read through the Gospel of Mark together. And so we have these bookmarks. They're available in printed form in the Welcome Center or in the uh, Information Center out in the lobby. You can also get this online. You can also go to our website online, and you can get a text message reminder every day. And I've had many people tell me how great the text message has been every day. Just getting it on their phone, it's a reminder to be in God's word and to read the verses. But we're halfway through. We're at the halfway mark. And if you have not joined us in reading through the Gospel of Mark, I just wanna say this. Half 
is better than none. So start now. And I'm gonna help you. There's no reading for today. And yesterday's reading, I'm gonna read to you the entire text. So you're gonna be all caught up this weekend. And Monday, you can start fresh, open up your Bible, and let's read through the Gospel of Mark together. So I wanna share a little bit about Peter. The Apostle Peter, it's likely he just heavily influenced Mark, sharing the firsthand eyewitness accounts of his interactions with Jesus Christ, sharing those with Mark. And that way, Mark has this eyewitness firsthand account from the Apostle Peter, and he then writes the Gospel of Mark. And I want to bring a little word picture, maybe, to help us understand something here. Who here has ever filled out a resume? Raise your hand if you've ever filled out a resume. Keep your hand up if that was super stressful for you. That, right? Isn't it weird how filling out a resume and stress, they just go hand in hand? You know, they're like best friends. The interesting thing about a resume is a resume will have these bullet point items on it. And every bullet point in the resume, the, the small wording in the bullet point, it actually represents so much work. And it's just this bullet point. Maybe it's a bullet point about education. And man, there was a lot of hard work behind that bullet point. Or maybe it was a bullet point about an experience. And man, there was a lot of hard work behind that experience. Or maybe it was a bullet point about a job that you had. Wow, so much hard work, time, effort in that job. Maybe it was a bullet point around, around a, an award or something that you were recognized for. And wow, the story behind that is huge. And somehow, on a sheet of eight and a half by 11 with bullet points, a person's supposed to look at the resume that you submit and go, okay, I think I understand this person. That this sheet of paper would give you the information or give another person the information of what they need. So that with some confidence, they could look and say, this is who you are. This is the type of person we're gonna hire for this job or whatever. Well, I share that because the Gospel of Mark was written way after all the events happened. It was way later that the Apostle Peter is most likely influencing Mark that where Mark now has this firsthand account and he now is writing it. And what I wanna do is I wanna look at the first eight chapters to get us to where our text is today and really look at it in the highlight moments. And every statement I make is gonna have a big story behind it. It's gonna have a lot of what Jesus did behind it. And as I walk through the first eight chapters, I want you to maybe imagine that you are reading the resume of Jesus Christ to where that you might be able to hear about his life and with some confidence say, this is who he is, because that's exactly what our text does today. So here we go. The Gospel of Mark builds the resume of Jesus as the Christ, 1-1, God the Son, 1.8, he will send God the Holy Spirit. 1.11, God the Father, audible voice, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. 1.14 and 15, the presence of the kingdom of God shows up on the scene when Jesus, the son of God, shows up on the scene. 1.16 and 17, the enlisting, enlisting of the workers of God as Jesus begins to call the disciples to come after him and follow him. 
1, chapter 22, the authority of God. Who is this that he teaches with such authority? Chapter 1, verse 27, the supremacy of God over evil. Who is this that, evil, the, uh, that even the unclean spirits obey him? Who is this person? Chapter 1, 29 through 31, the healer of God. And such an important moment for the apostle Peter because it was his very own mother-in-law that Jesus shows up and heals. Chapter 1, 36 through 38, the mission of God. Jesus shows up one morning and says, we gotta go. I got other towns I need to go to. I am here to preach. It's the reason why I came. Chapter 1, 40 through 45, the incurable disease of leprosy cleansed. The impossible is done by Jesus in the cleansing of a leper. Chapter 2, 1 through 12. A paralyzed person is now walking. The paralyzed walk with God. Incredible. Chapter 2, 23 through 28. The Sabbath belongs to God. In other words, God is God over religion. Imagine that. That God would be over religion. Chapter 2, 23 through 28 is that. Chapter 3, 14 through 16, the apostles of God. 12 called, chosen, picked that they would not just be with Jesus, but they would represent Jesus. They would be sent out by Jesus. Chapter 3, 32 through 35, the family of God defined as those who were willing to do the will of the Father. Chapter 4, 33 through 34, the parables of God, these, these stories, these narratives that have kingdom truth locked in them, these secrets of the kingdom of God locked away in these stories to where Jesus would share these parables with the public. And then he would go aside with his disciples and he would explain them to his disciples so they may have understanding. Chapter 4, 39 through 41, the obedience of nature to God. Who is this that the wind obeys him? Who is this that the waves obey him? Who are we dealing with here? Nature is bowing its knee to this individual. Chapter 5, 15 through 17, the sanity of God. A man full of demons violent, it says that he was sitting clothed in his right mind. The sanity of God had been brought to this individual. Chapter 5, 35 through 43, a little girl, everyone thought she was dead. She may have been. And here, the raising of this little girl to life by God. Incredible. Chapter 6, verse 2, the wisdom and the might of God. Who is this that has such wisdom? Who is this that does such mighty works? Chapter 6, verse 7, the extension of the authority of God as Jesus takes these apostles and he sends them out that they might represent him. And as the apostles go, so the authority of God goes with them for healing, for casting out demons. Incredible. Chapter 6, 14 through 15. The power of God. 
Who is this? These miraculous works that are being done by him. Chapter 6, 41 through 44, the provision of food by God, some fish and some bread in the hands of Jesus, and he gives thanks for them. And after he gives thanks for the bread and the fish that are in his hands, he distributes them, and thousands upon thousands eat a meal that day because Jesus had bread and fish and gave thanks for them and then distributed them. It's incredible. Chapter 6, 48 through 52, the walking on water by God, literally the feet of God on top of the water. I have tried to do this. I sank. Incredible moment. Walking on the water. 6, verse 56, the clothing of God. Why would we be talking about the clothing of God? What does the clothing of God have anything to do with this? Well, apparently, as he walked by, people were just trying to touch his garment because when the fabric would brush them, they were being healed by just touching the fabric of Jesus' clothes. The very clothing of God being used by God to bring a physical contact and a physical healing to people. Incredible. It's, it's mind-blowing. And maybe 7, verse 37, might sum it up all in the quality and the craftsmanship of God because in 737, it simply says this, they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. What a resume. What a bunch of bullet points to understand about a person. To with some confidence be able to look at the life of Jesus and to say, this is who you are. Which is exactly what our text does. The Gospel of Mark is 16 chapters. We're in the middle of it. At the end of chapter 8, we're in the middle of the Gospel of Mark. And I don't think it's insignificant that the Apostle Peter has such incredibly important moments right in the middle of the Gospel. I look at it like a set of hinges. And at this point in the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark just swings wide open with these three incredible moments in the life of Peter. Moment number one, I'm gonna call it the great confession. The great confession. We see it in verse 27 in Mark chapter eight. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? As Jesus is building his resume, it's turning a lot of heads. He's getting a lot of attention. And Jesus wants to know, what's the word? What's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? Verse 28, and they told him, the disciples speaking, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. 
Now, that's not the only things people were saying about Jesus. We see very early on in the narrative in the Gospel of Mark that there was a plot to kill Jesus. So not everybody was positive about what they were saying about Jesus. Verse 29, and he, Jesus, asked them, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? In other words, make a decision about me. Come to a conclusion about me. Own your own thoughts about me. Have some conviction about me. Who do you say that I am? You know, Peter is mentioned first in all the Gospels. In one of the Gospels, another person's mentioned first, but it's mentioned Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. It's hard to be the brother of like the really popular apostle. You know, that's hard stuff right there. But Peter's mentioned first a lot when, when, when disciples are listed. And Peter shows up first in this moment. I don't think it's by accident, especially with his influence probably to Mark. And he says, Peter answered him, he, he had come to a conclusion He'd made a decision. He was owning his own thoughts about Jesus. And he says, I, ha I have a thought. I've made up my mind. I know who you are. You are the Christ. What an incredible moment. You are the Christ. It's amazing. And then it says, and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. What, a, what an interesting thing. How does Peter have this great conviction? Well, he didn't have an eight, by a half, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with a bunch of bullet points on it. He literally watched all of this go down with his own eyes. He was a eyewitness to all of these things that built this resume of Jesus. And he was convinced after seeing all of that, there is no other possible explanation except one. You are the Christ. And so Jesus strictly charged them not to tell anyone. It's very interesting that he does this. We see this a lot in the Gospels. Jesus will say things like, it's not my time. It's not my time. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. Until he heads towards Jerusalem, heading towards the cross, and then he says, my time. It's now is the time. Now is the time for him to go to the cross. So in this moment... He tells him, don't tell anybody. Now, what did other people say about him? We see quite a bit of that, actually, in the Gospels. How about his family? In chapter 3, 21 in Mark, his family says, he's out of his mind. Hard to be a part of a family that thinks you're out of your mind. What about his hometown? Chapter 6, verse 3, they took offense at him. Hard to be a part of a hometown that's just offended by you. What about the religious leaders? Chapter 3, 22, by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. Hard to go to church when everybody thinks you're demon-possessed. What about the demons? Chapter 1, verse 34, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The demons knew who Jesus was. The demons knew. And even though the demons knew who Jesus was, they're still damned to hell. So what does that mean? That means you gotta be better than the demons. You gotta, you gotta do better than the demons. 
It's not just enough to know who Jesus is. That breaks me all the way back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the very first words that Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. The demons knew Jesus was Jesus. They knew who he was, but they weren't repentive. We gotta do better than the demons. We gotta repent of our sin. And we gotta place our faith in Jesus Christ as the savior of our sin and believe in the message of the gospel. That he's the savior of our, we gotta turn away from our sin and we gotta turn towards Jesus Christ. So in this moment, Peter got it right. This is a great moment for Peter. He got it right. Jesus is the Christ. Peter was right. Now, that's his person. Jesus is the Christ. What about my person? Who am I in light of this? Who are you? Who is your person in light of this? His person, Jesus is the Christ. What about me and what about you in light of this? How is our life impacted by the fact that Jesus is the Christ? That is a question you need to get to the bottom of. You should have an answer for that. Moment number two. I'm gonna call it the great confusion. The great confusion. Verse 31, and he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. What a powerful statement that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He'd be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days, rise again. You know, we can see in the narrative of the Gospel of Mark that the story is moving in this direction. You know, if you read one, one word in your Bible, you're gonna understand one word. If you read one verse in your Bible, you're gonna understand one verse. If you read one chapter in your Bible, you're gonna understand one chapter. If you read the entire book of the Gospel of Mark, you're gonna understand the entire book of the Gospel of Mark, which is why we keep saying we want you to read the entire Gospel of Mark so that you can have understanding and you can see it as a whole and understand the narrative as a whole because his disciples in this moment, they did not understand. So Jesus shares this statement and the disciples don't understand. But you can see in the Gospel of Mark how it's heading this direction. In chapter three, verse six, it says the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. So there is a path and a group who wants to destroy Jesus. In verse 32, it says about the statement Jesus made that he said this plainly. He said it plainly. What does that mean? That means when Peter heard Jesus say that the Son of Man was gonna suffer and he was gonna be killed and he was gonna rise again, that Peter understood what he said because it says he said it plainly. Peter was not confused about what Jesus said. The great confusion in this moment is not because Peter did not understand what Jesus said. No, it was very plain. He understood what he said, but the problem is, is what happens next. And Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. The problem is, is that Peter rejects what Jesus says. He rejects what Jesus says. This was not a lack of clarification. It was a rejection of the truth. 
And Peter just showed his great conviction about the person of Jesus. You are the Christ. And now he's matching that with this spontaneous display of a need to protect Jesus. And there's great irony here if you'll enter into it. Peter literally just said, you are the Christ. In other words, you are the solution. You are the savior of the entire world. And now the apostle steps in and says, your plan is wrong. Let me help you. You got it wrong. He's literally trying to save the savior of the world. Do you see that? Verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciples, he looks at all his disciples and he hones in on Peter. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. That is a tough sentence. Get behind me, Satan. That's a rough moment. How did we get here? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It was a few weeks ago, Pastor Brandon Peterson taught. And he shared an illustration that was very significant for my family. It's my practice in our home, it's our practice, that on Sundays we have lunch together. And during Sunday lunch, we just ask this. Does anybody have anything they want to share from church? And anybody at the table, and there's a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of buddies at the table, anybody at the table can share anything they want to share about what they heard at church, what happened at church. We just have a conversation about what do you want to share from church. And it was a few weeks ago, Pastor Brandon shared an illustration. It really impacted my adult sons. And he shared this. You know, if you just get one degree off from the path that God would have you to be on, eventually that one degree ends up being a very, very far distance from where the Lord would have had you to be. That really impacted my sons. In this moment, Peter's off. He's off track. Jesus said, I am the way. The way. There is only one way, and it is the way of Jesus. And in this moment, Peter got off track. The things of man had crept in. And we gotta be careful of that creep to allow the things of man to creep into our life to get us off track. Now, what I wanna share is the fact that this moment is included in the gospel. There's an argument for the validity of scripture as a historical document. And one of the arguments is that because the writers, the authors, included the really ugly moments of their own life in the text, it is one of the validations, it's one of the proofs. Really wanted to emphasize that point right there. <laughs> it's one of the proofs that the accounts are accurate because they included what was really negative in their own lives. They didn't try to hide it. And this is one of those moments. So Peter got it wrong. Jesus was gonna suffer. Peter was trying to get Jesus to come over onto Peter's path. And Jesus steps in, no, son, get on my path. 
And you know what, that's a great lesson for all of us if we've been trying to get God onto our path. That God would allow, you know, we'd allow God to say to us, no son, no daughter, get on my path. Your path is wrong. Get on my path. Get on the Jesus path. He is the way. The way. One way. That's his purpose. Jesus was gonna suffer. Now, What's my purpose in light of his purpose? What's your purpose in light of his purpose? This is his purpose. He was going to suffer. How does that change your life? How does that change my life? How am I going to live? How are you going to live in light of the fact that Jesus was going to suffer? Moment number three. We'll call this the great calling. The great calling. We see it in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples... He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want to make make note here. You know what I find just to be really, really amazing? That the, the, the moment I'm most ashamed of in my life precedes my experience with understanding the grace of God. The moment where I mess it up, it precedes understanding God's forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm saying? The moment in your life that you would look back on and go, I just wish that moment would have never happened or series of moments would have never happened. But to understand that you have the grace of God right now and that you have the forgiveness of God, and that those horrible moments preceded experiencing the fullness of the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God. Well, Peter really messes things up in this moment. But this moment precedes an incredible moment in his life, and that is a re-invitation to follow Jesus Christ. It wasn't the first time Jesus had asked Peter to follow him. Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus asked to come follow him. And then Peter gets on to the A team, not the B team, the apostles. And he's a part of the 12. He's like a leader among the 12. And then he gets sent out to represent Jesus. And then he has a blunder moment. He really messes it up. But what Jesus does in this is he doesn't cut ties with Peter. He doesn't cut the relationship off because Peter had messed up. What he does is he reinvites him and he recalls him, extends the call again to follow after him. And he makes it really clear, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. There might be some moments that are in your life that you just have not been able to get past. Things you screwed up, things that went wrong, sin, errors, mistake, and you just haven't been able to get past the obstacle of those moments. And may you clearly understand that this text right here is for you. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, whatever it is that has been hanging you up this entire time, it is time to deny yourself. Take up the cross. That's an instrument of death. That means to die Take up the cross and follow Jesus. And it might be that today 
Here you've thought your situation is hopeless. You can't possibly be redeemed, make it back onto the A team for Jesus. You're just benched. And this is the moment that you're gonna understand God is calling you to follow him. And the call is this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That you might accept the call of Jesus Christ on your life. It goes on. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what is it profit to a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We have so many illustrations of that in our world right now. Just think of the richest people you can think of. Money does not buy a happy marriage. Money does not buy a good relationship between parents and children. Money does not buy, it cannot buy peace in your soul. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and not forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Nothing. You can give nothing in return for your soul. But Jesus can restore your soul. Jesus can make your soul alive. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There is life found in Jesus. Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There's gonna come a day where I will stand before God and give an account for my life. That is a sobering thought for me, that I will stand before God and give an account of my life. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, God help me to not be ashamed of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus Christ. God help me. In this adulterous and sinful generation, I would say to you, that is this generation, an adulterous and sinful generation. It is so easy to see all around us. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That is sobering to me. God, would you help me to be bold for the truth of Jesus Christ God, would you help me to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, to show up and to speak up about Jesus? Peter got it again. What I mean by Peter got it again is that he got the call again. Jesus was calling disciples to follow. And I would say this again. You may have counted yourself out on Team Jesus But maybe this is the moment where you are gonna realize that Jesus is calling you again to be his disciple, to follow him, to follow after him. This is your moment on Team Jesus to come after him. And I would encourage you to accept that call. The Gospel of Mark swings wide open with these three incredible moments in the life of Peter. Moment number one is the great confession. Moment number two is the great confusion. Moment number three is the great calling. The Gospel of Mark's like on a set of hinges. And it hinges with this. Follow the suffering Christ. Follow the suffering Christ. You and I will do quite well to embrace this statement. 
follow the suffering Christ. I hope, I hope that whatever obstacles are in your way right now, that you would allow God to remove them so that you might do this right here to follow the suffering Christ. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us and then our team is gonna lead us in closing our time together as we sing. Father God, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come together around your word, to worship you, to remember Jesus in communion, to use our gifts of service, to bring gifts to you, to fellowship with one another. God, would you help us? We need your help. And God, whatever's in the way, I'm asking for you to remove it. That we might get past the obstacles that are keeping us from following the suffering Christ. The King of glory, the Christ who died on the cross for us, was buried and was raised again to new life, resurrected to new life. And God, would you help us to die with Christ that we might live in new life in Christ? to really live that resurrected life in Christ. And so God, we need your help. I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your help on behalf of our church family. Would you do a great work in us? And would people, when they see our lives, would it be like they're looking at the resume of Jesus? And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen.